Worship in the World is a screen-free worship experience brought to you by Downtown Church. Downtown Church is a community of unfinished people based in Columbia, South Carolina. We believe in asking honest questions while we strive to follow Christ within our own communities, loving people wherever they find themselves on their faith journey. Thank you for being with us today. Humble me, 
Arisha makes humility sound fun. <laughs> Let us pray. Make us grateful, O Lord, for our voice that can lift you up. Make us grateful, O Lord, for our legs that move us to you. Make us grateful, O Lord, for this time that we share. May we find ourselves fully in you. And may we shape our praise for you. Amen. Just as I am with is an important part of the Christian faith, not because we need to feel, feel guilty, but because it puts us in a posture to more fully receive Christ's grace. And in this series that we've been doing on the book of Romans, we are learning that it's all about grace, God's grace for us. 
And so knowing that we are simultaneously both sinners and saints, let us confess our sin to God. Let us pray. God, we admit that we forget to turn to you when life is difficult. In times of sickness and stress, in failure and fear, we need you. We are grateful that you do not call us to be strong all of the time. You call us to you. Forgive us, O Lord, and draw us close to you. And hear us as we pray silently. Like a nursing mother who will not forsake her child, like a father who runs to welcome the prodigal home, God is faithful still. Beloved, receive the good news of the gospel. You are forgiven, which means we get to live at peace. Thanks be to God. At this time, I invite Beth and her son Will forward for the, to celebrate the sacrament of his baptism. This morning, Beth Hollowell presents her son, William Fox Bigger, to receive the sacrament of baptism. Today, we boldly proclaim that Will is a recipient of the covenant of grace. And in baptism, God claims him as God's own, welcoming him into the family of faith and a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. We are also encouraged because in no stage of life are we ever truly separated from Christ and from the bonds that we share with one another. Will, may you always remember that you are not alone. Your parents, your church family, and Christ are with you always. Hear the words of our Lord Jesus Christ as he delivered to his disciples after his resurrection. 
He said, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. By water and the Holy Spirit, we are made members of this church, which is the body of Christ. And we are joined in Christ's ministry of love, of peace, and of justice. Let us remember with joy our own baptism as we celebrate this sacrament. Questions for the parents. Having heard these words of Scripture, do you profess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If so, say, I do. And relying on God's grace, do you promise to live the Christian faith, to embody hearts of service and love, and to teach your faith to your child? And to you, the congregation, do you, as members of the Church of Jesus Christ, promise to guide, to support and nurture will, through your words and your actions with love and prayer, will you encourage him to know and follow Jesus, and will you empower him to be a faithful member of this church? If so, say, we do. All right. Will, you can just put your hand in here. Jack, you want to come over here and put your hand in the water too? It's actually really warm this morning. This is just ordinary water, but what God does is God takes ordinary things and uses them to do the extraordinary, and that's what God does with all of us. So we're gonna say a little prayer over this water before we get baptized. Sound good? Cool. Let us pray. God, we know that this life is not always easy. To follow your son, to follow Christ, is to die alongside him. But to follow Christ is also to be resurrected with him. When the world seems difficult to will, when the church, when his parents, when his friends and family mess up, we give thanks that you, O God, do not. We give thanks that your presence will not leave him, nor will it leave us. We thank you for this water of baptism. Let it seal your child and welcome him into your kingdom of undeserved love, radical grace, and abundant life. Amen. What is the Christian name of this child? William Fox Bigger. I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Heavenly Oops. Father, in your love, you have called us to know you, led us to trust you, and bound your life with ours. Surround Will with your love. Fill him with the Holy Spirit and receive him into the family of your church, that he may walk with us in the way of Christ and grow in the knowledge of your love. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. This is the greatest news. Will has been received into the one holy Catholic and apostolic church through baptism. God has made him a member of the household of God to share with us in the priesthood of all believers. And so I encourage you during this holy interruption to come and greet Will, to welcome him, to encourage him as our newest brother in Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. Good morning. It is so good to be here with you this morning. And as a reminder, today is the last sermon in our myth-busting series. Not our last sermon, just the last in this series. 
more series to come, I'm sure. But today is the last in the myth-busting series. It is so good to be here with you today. I was driving here this morning. I had the car going and the radio playing and singing songs and just feeling good about being here with you today, about doing some myth-busting with you. And the myth that we're going to be busting today is the myth that sin will win. The myth that sin will win. If you have your programs or your Bibles or your phones and you want to read along, the scripture this morning comes from Romans chapter 3, verses 9 through 20. Romans chapter 3, verses 9 through 20. This letter penned by our friend Paul. Romans 3, 9 through 20. And the scripture reads, What then? Are we any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under the power of sin. As it is written, there is no one who is righteous, not even one. There is no one who has understanding. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. There is no one who shows kindness. There is not even one. Their throats are opened graves. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of vipers is under their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery are in their paths. And the way of peace they have not known. There's no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For no human being will be justified in his sight by deeds prescribed by the law. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. The word of God for the people of God. Well, that was motivating, wasn't it? <laughs> I mean, how you feeling? <laughs> I just want to go and party, right? I mean, really, I mean, whew. To call that heavy is an understatement. I mean, to say that was heavy, that is an understatement. Under the power of sin, no one is righteous, not even one. What about me? I'm preaching. <laughs> No one, no one shows kindness, no one seeks God, deceiving tongues, shedding blood, paths of ruin and misery. I do not like the way this ends. That is heavy. Matter of fact, it's so heavy, let's pivot for a second. Let's shift, let's lighten the mood for a second here. The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Anybody familiar with that show? Pretty good show. I like that show. It's that kind of show that when the last episode ends, 
you want to see the next one because you may not be satisfied with how it ended? Well, I was hooked on this show. I think I binged the whole three seasons like in one weekend. I was done. And I loved it. I mean, I binged the whole thing. And then it ended. The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Miriam Maisel. Midge Maisel. I mean, I could, I could tell you about it, but some of you may not have watched it, so I don't want to give away the end. But I do not like the way that season ended. I was like, wait, that's it? They're just, see, I, I got to stop because I'm going to tell you. <laughs> but I don't like the way it ended. So I'm looking up. I'm like, okay, maybe they're going to have another show. They're not announcing anything. They're not talking about anything. It just goes dark, y'all. It just disappears. I'm like, what's up? What's going on? Well, then around November of this past year, somehow or another, I found out season four is coming out. Matter of fact, I think it comes out this month. Full disclosure, I know it comes out this month. <laughs> it's marked on my calendar with a reminder. <laughs> I know it's coming out this month, and I will be there watching it. I was so thankful, yes, it's coming back. Why? Because I did not like the ending. Didn't like the ending. Give me another ending. Thank you, it's coming back. They could not stop there. So in the spirit of, you know, binging protocol and to ensure I don't give away too much, I'm going to stop talking about it. But, but I will say this. I will say this. The fact that it's coming back and there's another ending gives me some delight. It gives me some hope. That ending did not have the last say. Wait, there's more. Wait, there's more. I have to tell you, when I read this scripture, Romans chapter 3, verses 9 through 20, I got to verse 20 and I was not happy with the ending. Now, this is a scripture, this is scripture, this is not a movie script. So if you thought I wasn't satisfied with the ending of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, imagine how I felt about this. Come on now, come on, there's got to be more here. I'm so frustrated, I'm saying to myself, Charles, don't close the book. Just wait, Charles, there's got to be more. There's got to be more than being under the power of sin. There's got to be more than no one is righteous. There's got to be more than no one seeks God. There's got to be more than bloodshedding and deceiving tongues. Hang in there, Charles. Now, I'm going to just let you into my personal life for a second. I can, be, can I still be real with y'all? Can I go there? You sure? Okay. I, the preacher, was resistant to the Scripture. Y'all ever been resistant to Scripture in your life? I don't, I don't want that one. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Can, we, can I get another one? <laughs> I don't want that one. I'm resistant to the scripture. If I was so resistant, I promise you I said this to myself. If Paul were alive today, I suggest he submit this passage for peer review. <laughs> Go cite your sources and validate your findings. I need data to prove I don't like this. And, and let me let you know how sin tries to win and how to stir in every potential moment. Even as I was looking at this scripture and everything I didn't like, who this is going to be vulnerable. I got There's one part of this scripture I didn't like than all the others. There was one part that really bothered me. And sin was trying to win in me as I was doing this. Oh, was it the part about the path of ruin and misery, Charles? That one really upset you? Nope. Was it, was it the part about the shedding blood? Bad, bad. Don't want it, but that wasn't the one. It was the de deceiving tongue. That's the one, Charles, right? Nah, not really. Again, don't like it, but that wasn't the one that had my focus. Maybe it was the kindness or the righteous. Now, those are, those are tough, but that wasn't the one. What's the one, Charles? What's the one that really kind of got you? Scripture said, 
There is no one who is righteous, not even one. There is no one who shows kindness, not even one. You know the three words I got hung up on? Not even one. Not even one. I mean, could he have said at least one? Maybe one? Perhaps one? See, see if, we got, if there's a maybe one in there, I might be the one. <laughs> if it's at least one, I could be the one. Come on, not even one, not even me. Wait a minute, Paul. Y'all, I've been working on myself. I've been meditating and reading and praying and talking and therapizing and everything. That's not a word, by the way, but I use it. <laughs> I've been working. It's not even me. No, not even you. I realized something, the significance of the insertion of not even one. I realized something. Because here's how sin even tries to win with us. If Paul would have said at least one or maybe one or perhaps one, we would all be arguing over if we were the one. Let's, can we be real? Not even one. So guess what? We all do have one thing in common. Not even one. That's why there has to be more. Wait, there's more. Sin cannot win. See, if there's not more, why are we even trying? If there's not more, why do we show up? If there's not more, what is the point? Wait, there's got to be more, y'all. For me, this passage was sobering, jarring, dare I say frightening, and even discouraging. And to complicate matters for me, as I read this scripture, it didn't seem so far-fetched. It didn't seem like make-believe. Matter of fact, it seemed like what I hear about every day in our world, in our country. It seemed like I just saw this play out last night on the news. It seemed like I just read this this morning in the paper. I, I, I don't know if I was more upset about the scripture itself or more upset about the fact that the scripture is so aligned with what life seemed to be like every day for us. I got so upset I closed the book. I closed the book, closed the Bible. I got up from the desk, had to preoccupy myself for a couple of minutes. Came back three days later. <laughs> three days later. It's like, no, nope, nope. come back three days later. Sat down. Opened up Romans chapter 3. Read it again. The words were still there. But this time, but this time, I turned the page. This time. Wait, there's got to be more. I turned the page. Check this out. Verse 21, but now, but now, you know, Scripture has some great but now moments, y'all. The but now moments are phenomenal. But now, apart from law, the righteousness of God has been disclosed and is attested by the law and the prophets. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction since all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Have y'all heard that somewhere before? They are now justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a sacrifice of atonement by his blood effective through faith. He did this to show his righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over the sins previously committed. It was to prove at the present time that he himself is righteous and that he justifies the one who has faith in Jesus. The word of God 
for the people of God, somebody ought to say, now that's motivating. Thanks be to God. All I had to do was wait. There was more. Wait, there is more. All I had to do was turn the page. When I first read verses 1 through 20, I was shook. I didn't keep going. I had to walk away for a little while. You ever been shook? Ever been shaken? Ever had to walk away for a little bit? Gather your thoughts, clear your mind, come back and sit down and assess and and consider and talk and you see things a little differently. There's something else there that you didn't realize before. I knew everything that was in verses 21 through 26. I know it. I've preached it. I've taught Sunday school about it. You and I both have probably recited a creed or two that includes it. But I forgot about it in that moment. In that moment, I forgot about it. See, sin can be so deceptive and so deceiving and so distracting that it makes us forget what God has said. Let me say that again. Sin sometimes can be so overwhelming, so deceiving, so deceptive that we forget what God said. Don't end there. As Christians, as believers, as children of God, we cannot stop at verse 20. This is not the proverbial end of the story. There's more. And what more could there be than Jesus? Jesus is more than enough. Jesus is more than we could ask for. Jesus is more than we deserve. There is more. And the more comes in the love and the blood of Jesus. Family, I want to encourage you today, please be careful where you put the periods in your life. Please be careful of when you close that book. Please be careful when you say the end. Be be so careful where you put the end in your life. I know when we're in pain and suffering a loss and feeling depleted and feeling deflated, surrounded by doubt, about to give up, it's not always easy to wait. It's not always easy to wait. I know that. But I want to encourage you. As long as we have Jesus, there's more. Before we close the book on our community, turn the page. Before we close the book on our relationships, just do yourself a favor, turn the page. Before we close the book on our careers, let's take a second, just turn the page. Maybe Jesus has something to say. In our culture, in our country, before we turn the page on race relations and think this thing is never going to change and get better, would somebody please come with, can we turn a page? Before we give up all hope and say it's not even worth trying anymore, just turn the page. Before we stop trying to eradicate poverty, can we just turn the page one more time? There's more. All I want us to consider doing today, keep turning the page until we find what Jesus has to say. Keep turning the page. Now, sometimes I know it's not evident and it's not immediate, and the more can sometimes seem it's just not even available to us. And we need each other. Downtown church, I need you. And you need me and we need each other. And sometimes we need each other to remind us that there is more. The beauty of being in community with each other is that every now and then we have to remind each other we can see things the other can't. And it can't just come from this pulpit or this stage. Sometimes during holy interruptions, somebody needs to remind somebody, there's more. Turn the page. Sometimes sitting in home group, you got to remind somebody. Let's turn the page. There might be more. Sometimes passing each other throughout the course of the week in our our lives at our job, call somebody and say, hey, I just want to let you know there's more. 
turn the page. Don't know what's there, but turn, I, I'll turn the page with you. Let's find it together. I believe Jesus has something to say. There's more. Sin cannot win. Standing in the car line, picking up your kids, remind somebody there's more. God always has the last word. There's more. Wait. Turn the page. Thank you. 
Amen. Amen. Let us go to God in prayer. Loving God, none of us are righteous, and that's okay. You don't call us to self-righteousness. You call us to humble service, to compassion without borders, to forgiveness without end. You call us to walk in the dusty footsteps of Jesus. We are sinful, God, yet sin does not have the last laugh. You do. You are greater. You are the next page. Your grace, your love, and your guidance beckons us not to sit in sin, but to take this life step, step by step, as faulty as our steps can be. Stepping towards the margins of this world and even the margins and darkness within our very selves. We thank you, God, that your son loved us, that he loves us in our sin, and that he walked alongside us and continues to walk in us, with us, and through us to do your work in this world. And hear us now as we pray the prayer that your son Jesus taught us, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory forever. Amen. Today for the Affirmation of Faith, we're going to be reading a bit from the Confession of 1967. So I invite you to stand. You can read along out loud or say it to yourself. Um, the Confession of 1967 is a Presbyterian confession written in 1967. I invite you to go home and read the rest as there's a lot of truth and power in the words that the saints of this church said many, many years ago. So church, what is it that we believe? The reconciling act of God and Jesus Christ exposes the evil in people as sin in the sight of God. In sin, people claim mastery of their own lives, turn against God and each other, and become exploiters and despoilers of the world. They lose their humanity in futile striving and are left in rebellion, despair, and isolation. Wise and virtuous men and women through the ages have sought the highest good and devotion to freedom, justice, peace, truth, and beauty. Yet all human virtue, when seen in the light of God's love in Jesus Christ, is found to be infected by self-interest and hostility. All people, good and bad alike, are in the wrong before God and helpless without God's forgiveness. Thus, everyone falls under God's judgment. No one is more subject to the judgment than those who assume that they are guiltless before God or morally superior to others. Amen. You may be seated. And like Charles, actually don't be seated, stand back up. <laughs> like Charles said, there is more to this uh, confession of 1967, so I invite you to read the next page. But let us now sing down by the riverside together. Heavy load down by the riverside, down 
Amen. Sin will not win. Wait, there is more. Turn the page and see what God has to say. Now may the grace of God and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit rest, rule, and abide with us henceforth now and forevermore. Let the church say amen. 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 Go in peace. If you feel compelled to support the church financially, you can give a secure gift online at downtownchurch.me forward slash give.